Once again, we thank our Lord for gathering us together in this assembly. We do pray for those who are not able to. We also pray for those who don't have the desire to. Uh, I think most of you know that uh, Sister Terry tested uh, positive for COVID, and certainly as and Bill was going through some things as well. As soon as we hear this, we certainly are in prayer for, for them as well as uh, the rest of us as things uh, come to pass. Start to say things happen, but uh, I like it coming to pass better. We know, uh, we know who ordained it and preordained it. So, so I'd like to talk this morning uh, about promises. Our uh, used to would think during political years, but it never stops. It's always just political from one uh, presidential election to the next or Congress or Senate or whatever it would be. But you get a lot of promises from, from those folks. Uh, does it mean much to you? I uh, remember the first time I realized that someone had made these campaign promises. They get elected and before they even take office. They're already saying, well, so they're breaking their promises before they ever actually take office. So I don't put too much faith or confidence in uh, uh, what our politicians promise us. Uh, may have promissory notes to a financial institution or something like that, and uh, that you promise to pay on this. So it's a type of a contract, and any type of a contract would be that, I suppose. And then we have promises to people. We may make promises, or people may make promises to us. And uh, how much faith do we put in those promises? And uh, I, that's something that I rarely do, and I'm, I'm not sure I can even remember how long uh, I suppose I have, but to make a, a promise. I have to say, Lord will, you know, uh, this, it's my intention to do this, uh, and, and Lord willing, I'll do this, but just say, I promise, uh, I don't, that's something I, I rarely don't do, unless I back it up with, if it be the Lord's will, yeah, this is my desire, I would, I would do this. So we look at these promises and, and how much faith we have in those promises. But what about promises? Uh, from our Lord. Uh, so if you would turn if, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. And uh, there's a lot of promises. We'll, we'll talk about this. There's a lot of different promises in Scripture, of course. And we'll try to look maybe a couple. Uh, they're all valuable, of course. But 2 Peter chapter 1. And verse 4 will be our uh, Topic, but we'll go back to verse 1. But let me read verse 4 first of all. By which are given unto you, and by which are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruptions that is in the world through lust. So, it doesn't just say promises exceedingly great and precious promises. 
we may say something and, and, and have an adjective describe it or something like that, but scriptures is not just something uh, flattery or anything of that nature, but tells something about these promises. And it doesn't just, and it'd been, it'd been fine just to say, uh, uh, given these promises, and that would have been, I mean, that, that's more than, we, more than we deserve, right? But uh, that's, that's great, but it goes about exceedingly great and precious promises. And like I said, this is not a worldly book where a, a man just authors it and puts all these words in there and everything. This is a scriptures inspired by the Holy Spirit. But we see how it certainly should draw our attention to these promises and, and the value put to them. So let's just go back up to verse 1 real quick and, and work our way down through here. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that obtained like precious faith. How did they obtain this like precious faith? So they had a, pre, a there's the word precious again. They had a precious, Peter had a precious faith. He's talking to those that also had this like precious faith. So how do we get this like precious faith? Well, it tells us. Uh, like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So this precious faith we have, again, there's not anything we can take credit for. And it says to the righteousness of God, that's where this precious faith comes from. And uh, maybe real quickly I'll read Romans, and we'll come back to this if you have a page marker. But Romans chapter 3, what is this uh, righteousness of God? Because it says that's, we receive that through the knowledge, of, uh, uh, well, through the righteousness of God. So what is this righteousness of God? This is how we receive it. Romans 3 and 21 but now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So now the righteousness of the law, or righteousness of God, most people think it's through the law of Moses. But this is plainly tells it's not. The righteousness of God, apart from the law. Uh, verse 26 to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. Wherefore is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of law of works? Nay, but the law of faith. So this, our, our, our lesson said, obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God is through Jesus Christ, not through ourselves or what we may do. But anyway, that's that he's talking to. Those that have obtained uh, like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 2, uh, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. 
through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. So this grace and peace be multiplied. We see the, the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And we have a peace when we see the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Then we have a peace. And it says, the prayer is that it would be multiplied. How? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So he's saying, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ. Well, how do we get that knowledge? We'll talk about that a little bit. Actually, that's one of the promises. Verse 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So, so here again, this one that has, has called us and, and talking about all things that pertain unto life, godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So it's, it's, through, it's through knowledge. And then we get to our text, which is verse 4. By which are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises. So that's what we want to talk about. You know, again, we can ha- I don't think we'd use those words to describe our politicians, what they say to us. I don't think we'd, not, not any of those words, I don't think would fit to what our politicians uh, tell us. Exceedingly great and precious promises. So this, Helen, it could have went and, and not had any of those adjectives, and it's still been a blessing that, that we see this, these promises. But it describes these promises. So to each of us, it, it should uh, cause us to look at these promises in a more deeper look, I suppose. Exceedingly great and precious promises. So I'd like to look at those words just a little bit to, to bring attention to it. Exceedingly. Now, I've, I've written down the Greek words, but rather than try to uh, butcher the pronunciation of those, let me just give you the definition of some of those Greek words. So this exceedingly. And, and it, sometimes we have a word that comes from a couple other words. Uh, so exceedingly, superabound, be exceedingly abundant. Over and above and beyond, very highly, superior to, more than, or very chiefest. It goes on uh, with another uh, Greek word that that comes from. To do, to make or be more. Increase. Superabound. To make increase. That's what this, this word, 
uh, uh, means as we look at for us exceedingly. And then it goes on a little more. Uh, exceedingly in, uh, in quanti quantity, in number, or quality. The major portion, great and main. So this is just one of the words that describing these promises. And I want us to see the value in these promises. That's why we're looking at these words that the Lord inspired to be written down for us. That we can see the value in these promises. Not just say promises, which should be plenty enough. But it goes beyond that. Exceedingly. And it says exceedingly great. So that word great means the uh, greatest, very great, exceedingly great, uh, big, exceedingly, mighty. So that's some uh, Hebrew or Greek definitions of the word great. So we have exceedingly great. Not just promises, but exceedingly and great. And then it also adds the word precious. Precious in the Greek, valuable. Costly. And if we pause there for a moment, these promises, they're precious. Part of the definition of the word precious is costly. We know what it, we know the cost of those promises, those exceedingly great precious promises. So cost, esteemed, beloved, dear, honorable, precious, uh, money paid, valuables, uh, of the highest degree. So, as we look at these definitions or adjectives and the definitions of these adjectives, these promises that we're going to look at, well, there's, we're going to look at a couple promises, okay, because scriptures are full of promises. But we want to look at these. They are exceedingly great, precious promises. Not something we'd hear from our politicians. So the promise, so we, we have, uh, it certainly calls attention that we add value, that we see value in all the promises that we have. But so this promise, promises, uh, means uh, self-committal, and that's kind of a how we would understand promise, self-committal. I promise you I'll do this. It's self-committal, and that's what we have from the Lord. Good, uh, assurance. So that's what the promise is. It's a, it's a self-committal, and it is uh, assurance. Like I said, but... Where it comes from makes a difference, doesn't it? How much faith do we have in politicians? Well, uh, maybe I shouldn't keep using that for, for excuse but I, or for an example, but I will. So as we look at this, we're going to look at a couple of his promises. And again, the, the Scripture is full of these promises. But 
exceedingly great precious promises. So let's look at some uh, examples. The word exceedingly. Uh, let's see a couple of places that word's used because that's the word used to describe these promises exceedingly. Let's see a couple other places where it's used. In Jude uh, verse 24, we see the word exceedingly. We just see how it's used that will give more value to our text, I believe. Jude 24. Now to him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. We could have just had joy there, but with exceeding joy. So, of course, it's talking about our Lord Jesus Christ that's able to keep you from falling and to present you, how? Faultless. And he done this with exceeding joy. I, I still think about uh, the, uh, I think as one or two lessons, I can't remember now, on, on inheritance. Uh, you know, what we would inherit and everything like that, and, and that we would inherit him, and oh my goodness. But then when I saw we are his inheritance, and I thought, that, that's, that's beyond my understanding. I mean, he could have anything, everything. You remember Satan, what Satan offered? You can have all these kingdoms and, and all the glory and everything like that. That's not what he wanted. You for inheritance. I, I, still can't, I still can't get over that. So, but here I'm reminded of that again. He's going to present you faultless. And we know how he's going to do it. We know it's through all the suffering he went through. And suffering wasn't limited to the cross. But certainly at the cross. All the suffering he went through with Exceeding joy. And that's our word, exceeding. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, we see it used there as well. Ephesians, we, I think all of our Bibles are worn a little bit uh, in that area. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. Exceeding riches of his grace. We, we think of his grace, we pray for his grace, we thank him for his grace. But here that grace is it's described as exceeding, exceeding grace. Exceeding riches of his grace. And I hope we see it that way, not just, not just grace. And just grace is, is fine and plenty, but when it's described as exceeding grace, it puts more value on it. Now, lesson said exceeding, uh, uh, exceeding and great. So Ephesians 2 and 4. But... Uh, 
But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love with which he loved us. There's our word great used here. Great love. And a lesson exceeding great promises. So I just want to show these words and other places that they're used uh, that might add value as, as we look at that, as these promises. They're exceedingly great and precious. So let's look at the word precious for a couple of moments here. Uh, well, First Peter, First Peter 1. which we've, we're all very familiar with. 1 Peter 1.19, we're looking at the word precious now, which is used to describe his promises. Ephesians 1 and, and uh, or 1 Peter 1 and 19. Well, let me read verse 18 with it. For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. Well, what were you redeemed with then? But with the pre precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And I hope, we, I hope we see that his blood was precious. We look at what it paid for, that shows us the value of his blood. I was going to read some more on that, but we, we bet, probably better not. But exceedingly great and precious promises. So if we look at promises, there's... Uh, certainly the promise of eternal life, and uh, again, many promises. But I'm going to go to Acts chapter 1, where it uses the word promise. Now, we will see promises where the word promise is not used, of course. But Acts chapter 1, we see the word promise, and this is just all of his promises are exceedingly great and precious. But we'll look at this one here in Acts. Acts 1 and 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Which saith he, ye have heard of me. Wait for the promise of the Father. Can we trust in this promise? It's not going to be like our politicians tell us things. Can we trust in this promise? But he says, wait for the promise. And we can describe this promise as exceedingly and great promises. Uh, and in verse 5, For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So we're getting a, a hint of what this promise was in verse 8 but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and uttermost parts of the earth so here is a promise and this promise is the promise of the Father that he's going to give power, that you be witnesses. And, and we'll, we'll read about this uh, maybe a little more as well. But here's a promise. It's exceedingly great and precious promise. All the promises are exceedingly great and precious. So here, <coughs> when he says, you wait for the promise, 
we could say, you wait for the exceedingly great and precious promise. We should look at it that way. All his promises are that way. <clears throat> so this is speaking about a particular promise that they would go. We know what it is. We, we talk about it a lot. But that they would go and, uh, and not go anywhere else but wait for this promise. Now, if we wait for the promise of the politicians, uh, <laughs> uh, that's many times not going to happen. But this, couldn't they, couldn't we rest assurance that this promise will be delivered? And let's take a couple minutes just to look at the promise, what this one was. Again, many promises. All of them will be fulfilled. But Acts chapter 2, and, and I... We know we're talking about the Holy Spirit as the body and comforter. And, and I, I pray that you consider it exceedingly great and precious promise. Verse 2, or chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And that's where he read when he told them to. He said, I don't want you to go out witnessing yet. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Now, beloved, this is, this is a promise that he promised them. He said, you go and you wait for the promise. Verse 3 and there appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. We talked about this not too long ago. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this was the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit as the abiding comforter. Now these folks already had spiritual life. So the Spirit had already given them spiritual life, but there was going to be another. And this is promised. He said, you go wait for the promise. And again, as we, I know we talk about the comforter a lot in this body. I hope you consider it exceedingly great and precious promise. Think where you'd be without it. You wouldn't have the knowledge. You could read this Bible... But you wouldn't, have, wouldn't really have the knowledge and understanding that it's what he did. If he didn't give us this comforter, we would look at as if we had something to do with it. That's what we do. That's our nature. That's our sinful nature. I. Uh, let's see. In that same uh, second chapter, uh, verse 37. Now when they had heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, and I'm going to say for the exceedingly great and precious promise, is unto you and to your children 
and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. You mean it's not as many that calls on the Lord? It's not what it says. As many as the ones he shall call. Now, after he calls, certainly they'll call on him. But we don't want to get the cart before the horse. So, I was going to take the time, and I'm not going to, but I, I love studying about it. He, he told him about this promise. And we read it so many times, John uh, uh, 14, 15, and 16, and even in the 13th chapter, talking about that comforter. I'll send the comforter. It's expedient for you that I leave. If I don't go away, the comforter will come. But if I go away, I'll send the comforter. And what will it do? Lead, guide, direct into all truth. Let me ask you a question. Those are not led by the comforter. What's their status? Doesn't mean they're not God's children. But if they're not led by this abiding comforter, what's their status? Can you find something else? This says the comforter will lead, guide, direct into all truth. Do you find anything else in the scriptures that will do that? The energy of the flesh. Oh, I'm going to study so much. And it's great to study. Don't get me wrong. But it's not. The Lord may use the study. But it's still through that comfort of the Holy Spirit. It will lead, guide, and direct into all truth. We'll have knowledge of him. And we'll have that peace. So we won't go uh, look at those scriptures. But there is one. So we're talking about his exceedingly great and precious promises. One of them. I'll send the comforter. It'll lead, guide, direct, and all truth. And see, we wouldn't, we wouldn't see Christ as our Savior. We could say the word, but we wouldn't have that comfort. We wouldn't have that peace if he didn't give us the comforter to lead, guide, and direct into all truth. We'd have almost everybody here on television has a, a little bit of truth, but is it really truth? I mean... And you've all witnessed this. They'll teach, be teaching some kind of a sermon. They say, well, that sounds pretty good. And they get to the end, and they just tear it all down and give all the honor and glory to man. So uh, that's where we would be if he, didn't, if he didn't place us in a body where he set the comforter to lead, guide, direct, and all truth. Uh, again, something makes me nervous sometimes. People say, well, they believe almost like we do. I kind of understand that. Am I comfortable with that? No, I'm not comfortable with that. I've used the illustration before. If I have a gallon of water here, 100% pure spring distilled whatever water here, and I put a drop of arsenic or strychnine or something like that in it. It's almost pure. Do you want any of it? So, I think we should be careful when they say, well, they believe almost like we do. Uh, I, I just, uh, I'm, not, I'm not comfortable with that. Anyway, okay. So, we talked all this time about the, the promise of the comforter, which is, to me, it's exceedingly great and precious promise. I'm so thankful for that. I know I talk about it a lot. We study it a lot. But it's, it, that's how valuable it is to me. 
But uh, a promise, let's go uh, in our limited time, John chapter 10. Gospel John chapter 10. And again, there are promises where the word promise is not used, of course. And again, this is going to be exceedingly great and precious promise. So, John 10 and 27. Our Lord says, My sheep. And let me just pause for a second. Don't get very far. I like to ask a question to remind herself, how did they get to be a sheep? My sheep. Well, that's where we go down before an altar and we pray through and we turn over a new leaf. Is that how we get to be a sheep? Well, this, this tells us, it says in verse 29, my father who gave them to me. So the Lord's sheep, how did they get to be the Lord's sheep? The father gave them to him. So, okay, let's start in verse 27 again. The word promise is not used here, but certainly it's exceedingly great and precious promise. My sheep hear my voice. That is great, exceedingly great and precious that he calls us to hear his voice. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. Is that not exceedingly great and precious that he knows you? And they follow me. You say, well, that's a, that's a feather in our cap. If we're, we're following him, that's something we can boast in. No, absolutely not. We follow him because he's the great shepherd. So none of the honor and glory stops with us. I know that's what our nature wants to do. But none of the honor and glory stops with us. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And then I give unto them eternal life. So I look, I look at these few verses here as his promise. His, and I hope you see it as exceedingly great and precious promise. When he says, I give unto them eternal life. Do you realize most of the world believes they earn it? And... Take it a step farther. If that were true, and we earned eternal life, what would we say about Jesus Christ that went to the cross for that purpose? Would that have been an intelligent thing to do? <laughs> if we get eternal life because we earn it, why did he go to the cross? Do you understand how a little thing like believing... Well, I think I've told you the story. A guy one time on television, he told you all the things you had to do. And he said, then when you do that, God owes it to you to let you in the pearly gates. Then that means you've earned it. But that's not what the, that's not what the promise is. The promise is, I give unto them eternal life. That's the promise. And they shall never perish. We talk about security. The world hates the doctrine of security. So they'll never perish. Well, what if you do this? What if you do that? What if you do this? It doesn't, uh, uh, doesn't annul 
his promise because his promise is exceedingly great and precious. It's not a promise from a politician or even from me. It's from him. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father who gave them to me, how do you get to be his sheep? The Father chose you and gave you to him. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. People that believe you can fall from grace. Now, you can fall from the teaching of grace. You can fall, whether temporary or permanently, from the, the belief of grace. But you can't fall from the grace of God. Why? <laughs> because he has given this eternal life, and you'll never perish. You can't fall from that. I, I've... You hear, again, you can hear a lesson on television, a sermon, and it sounds like it's almost, it sounds good, it's almost like what we believe, and then at the end they'll tear it back down with something. And, and I've told you a story before. This was, there was a, uh, an elderly lady, she was kind of in a nursing home or whatever, and she had been a good Christian all of her life, according to this story. So the son come in to just entertain her, you know, nice, good thing. And they started playing cards. So this television, whatever you want to call him, I'll call him Disciple Satan. But anyway, he began to play cards, and this man says, and this wonderful Christian person that had been a Christian all of her life and was ready to go into heaven... All of a sudden, the flames of hell started burning her feet, and she died went to hell. Well, this says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So uh, his promises, and we could go to Romans, the 8th chapter, about his promises. Uh, let me... John chapter 17, real quickly. Uh, certainly, promise. John 17, 1 and 2. These words spoke Jesus, lift up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour is come. This is this hour that he is going to joyfully go to the cross for you. said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. And listen to verse 2. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. See, there's no, there's no works in that. We're as mentioned Chuck we're on the receiving end of his grace and mercy and that's what that's that's what we see here that's that's his exceedingly great and precious promise we're on the receiving end of his grace and mercy we can't add anything to it as thou has given him power Jesus talking about himself in his prayer for you and I that he should give 
eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Given, we, we, we can't earn it. Given eternal life. So there, there's the promise. And again, I was, there's many more promises in the scriptures, many more that I wanted to go through, but we'll probably end with this. That he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. So there's a promise. Will he break it? Does he have the ability to keep his promises? Of course. So his promises, exceedingly great and precious promises. And I hope you, when you look at the scriptures and you see the promises, I hope you view them that way and view the value in them. I was going to go in Revelations and, and read about the New Jerusalem and so forth because that's the inheritance, but I'm not going to do that. Of course, uh, the Lamb is the important part of that. The streets of gold, but the Lamb, but the light. That's the portion of our inheritance. May the Lord bless the speaking of His word. We're dismissed.